Welcome to the Haunted Hacker podcast number, I don't know, Ian, what, what number do you want to give this podcast? Originally, it was 52. Okay. Well, let's just do it 52.1. How's that? There you go. That works. Awesome. Um, so a little bit of news before we start. Anniversary's over, 16-hour podcast. I think I was going to make it through it. Um, still recovering from that. Uh, tomorrow, I speak for Department of Homeland Security during their Cybersecurity Awareness Month post month, I guess. Um, and also I am speaking for uh, a think tank in Europe uh, coming very soon. Um, so tonight we have Ian Murphy, good friend of mine, uh, mentor, uh, and a lot to be said. So I'll let Ian introduce himself and uh, we'll kick it off from there. Ian? Well, good evening to mm-hmm. all. Well, good morning, afternoon. Uh, it is a great pleasure to be here with Mike. He is world-renowned. Um, he has skills and abilities that most of you have no clue about. But over and above that, uh, it is great honor to sit here, especially to be on the anniversary show. I found that to be very interesting and a lovely camaraderie that occurred during that. Of course, some of the humor was a little off the wall but you know when you have fbi agents bicycling around uh you, you gotta begin to wonder or former fbi besides that i'm just the old man out here so ian looking back at your history um one of when kim introduced me to you and i saw who you were and that you were on LinkedIn, I was pretty shocked. So for those of you listening who don't know who Ian is, which you must be living under a rock, um, Ian Murphy is Captain Zap, who is also the first person that was tried for a cyber crime. He was the very first cyber criminal on the books. Um, did some epic stuff with AT&T. Uh, and I'll let him go into that. But we connected and uh, started a friendship, and, and I look at him as sort of my Obi Wan Kenobi now, um, kind of. Uh, Which I am honored. It's a it's a pretty uh, pretty cool relationship we have. Um, so Ian, tell me about what it was like to be the very first cyber criminal, and and kind of what you went through. I know you went you you came from a pretty privileged upbringing, um, and then you got hit with cybercrime. And tell me what that was like growing up and, and facing those kind of charges back then. Um, it was very interesting because back then they politely rang the doorbell. <laughs> uh, they didn't go smashing in your doors and put guns in your faces and bad suits. They politely rang the doorbell. And... Um, the people who worked in the house when I got home that night said, Oh, Mr. Ian, Mr. Ian, what? And then my sister said to me, you're in a lot of trouble. And I'm going, go away, Meredith. And then you heard the voice of the hounds of hell. My mother from her den. You did not mess with Mary. So she said to me, I'd like you to go upstairs to your level and come back down here quietly and tell me what's missing. So I ran up six levels. There wasn't a whir, a glow, a nothing. I flipped around, slid down six sets of steps into my mother's den and goes, where the hell are all my goddamn computers and radios? And all she said to me was, anything you want to tell me? Well, she had 37 pages of a search warrant, a federal search warrant, and started handing me business cards of the FBI guys and the Bell security guys and the military guys and everything else. And I'm going, "Uh uh-huh. She goes, and she also told the FBI agents, and I quote, my son is changing the orbit of military satellites. Yes, ma'am. My son has ripped off AT&T to the tune of how much? Yes, ma'am. My son can't pass math. 
where I'm sitting there going, what the hell do I need algebra for? You know, I got six oranges in Chicago. I got 18 apples in New York. And what time will they all be together with Susie in St. Louis? Leave me alone. You know what's funny, Ian? Um, you say that you couldn't pass math. I never passed algebra ever. I think my highest oh, no, school is never. High scores of 43, I think. And then they put me in informal geometry and some other courses just to get me out of high school. Well, I joined the illustrious military, the Navy. Me too. Um, yes. You know, you get three, three hot meals a day, clean sheets, air conditioning. And if you're going to die, you're going to go with 5,000 of your shipmates. Yep. Um, but I used to consider Radio Shack to be my porn store. Absolutely. It, it was between that and Lafayette Radio, which dates me or ages me. Now, now I'm in my mid-60s, and I'm watching all these various hacks, assaults, cyber crimes, ransomware, etc. And I'm going, wow, things have dramatically changed. But we have created... The internet is a sewer. It's the only way I can put it. It is a sewer. And I do find that what goes on out here with red teams, blue teams, purple teams, I don't care what color you are. Can you get in? Mm -hmm. The other problem that I see is that every single day, somebody is reporting a major assault upon their systems. Now, whether they're required to by law, which they should be required, and I think that is part of the Building Back Better program, we won't get into politics, or the Cyber Awareness Month thing, where they're trying to tell companies, hi, if you don't report, you're toast. Or if you pay ransomware, you're toast. But at the same time, I also find that our illustrious government is also holding the ransomware keys and won't give them to the people who have been attacked. So I find that to be a double-edged sword. You know what's going on, but you're not telling the people who are affected. So basically, you're going to let a murderer run around the streets and do his mayhem, but you'll withhold that information for another three, four weeks while he takes out a few more other people. So I find that to be disgusting. But I also find that information security just in general is not taken in a serious light. They just don't see it. And the C level, which actually should be renamed the A level, right? They don't see anything except it costs us money, Bill. Yes. And we can't afford that much right until they get hit and then why didn't we spend x amount of dollars or whatever and why do we deny the ciso this money well the you know the cow's out of the barn mm -hmm. on that one and the and other problem that i see is that the cow is out of the barn in so many ways, between all these healthcare systems, which I have to deal with at my age, and I am approaching 65 at light speeds, um, which is kind of interesting. But I've seen vast changes in the entire industry and the entire technology. And back in the good old days when we used to wire wires with a soldering iron to a touchtone phone to create Audubon frequencies. Most of you don't even know what that is. Don't worry about it. All right. Audubon. And then there's auto din. Mm -hmm. Yes. None of you know about that out here, do you? But I find, I find the sheer avarice, ignorance, and greed to be part of the information security problem. They don't give a damn because it's a NIMBY problem, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. 
it's also, well, we can't afford that. That costs money. And then when we get hit, we suddenly have to go, oh, now what do we do? So I don't, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I'm going to let you lead this on because I can, I can come up with all types of things with this warped brain of mine. Well, what I, what I find with, with most, so all the incidents that I've, I've done IR incident response on, and a lot of the, the companies that I've spoken to over the past, I don't know, three or four years, it seems to be that a lot of it is an afterthought. And, you know, one of the places I did an incident response with um, was using an outdated application to connect people remotely. And after they got compromised, their question to me was, should I change the password? Oh, God. So you have the wrong people in the wrong positions. And the people who have the technical ability, the guys that are hands on the keyboards are below that C level or that A level. And nobody listens to them until it's they too late. They them to be ticket monkeys. Exactly. Until it's too late. And then they realize, oh, shit, you know, we have a real problem here. Um, another thing, too, you, you mentioned the um, government holding on to the keys. So when I was an FBI informant, um, one of the things that they had asked me to do was look at a form of ransomware and see if I could get within the group and, and extract the uh, decryptor. Um, and what's funny is they go around doing that and they, they get the keys. But the mom and pop shops, they let them go under. You know, they get hit with ransomware and nobody responds. But let something affects the, the price of gas during a presidency. Let that get affected. They jump on it really quick. They run out. They, you know, they get the money back from, from the cryptocurrency. Politically correct. Exactly. Uh, they, they don't go out and, and help the everyday guy. You know, they want those, those companies and those smaller companies to stay you know, in, their, in their places and know their roles. But with infrastructure, oh, yeah, definitely jumping on it because we don't want to get a black eye during this administration. And that's one of my problem, The views. problem with your entire infrastructure, SCADA systems, information mm -hmm. systems, you've got so many legacy systems yep. out yeah, the there that are controlling water, pipelines, mm -hmm. gasoline lines, natural gas lines, electrical grids. Yep. It's yeah, very easy to look up, you know, power grid lines. Mm -hmm. it, it's very, I mean, Years and years and years ago, and we're talking in the 1980s, we didn't have all this crap that you kids have today. Yep. Uh, you kids have got a wonder box in front of you, but at the same time, your wonder boxes are being infected. Uh, what just happened to me? Oh, yeah. Allegedly, my Netflix account was canceled. Really? Okay. Yeah. Click here. Type in here. Okay. You're in. You're in. Oh, and wait. Where's it come from? A Gmail address. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, the first thing I I really want to see change is that you have a Gmail address. Pardon me. Fuck you. Mm. Especially when you're like Netflix or wait, what is the one I just got the other day? Best Buy. We'll be charging your account $499 and some odd cents for your geek squad. I'm going, really? Your geek squad doesn't know how to be a geek, let alone be a squad. And you know what's funny is, is when you get those emails, so not only do you get emails, but you get phone calls. I actually had a call center call me and say, Someone just tried to purchase a $1,100 iPhone on your Amazon account. And they said, you know, we're Amazon, you know, we're calling you to, to, to verify this purchase. Can I get your credentials? And I said, wait a minute, you're, you're Amazon, right? You don't need my credentials because you already have them. It's your system, right? And immediately the guy knew that he had been uncovered and starts cussing me out over the phone. And I was like, oh, wow. So now you're resorting to uh, terrorism over, over international phone lines. That, that's fantastic. But they're, they're evolving so quickly. But what we don't have, so we talk about defenses. We talk about how the government's supposed to protect us and all this bullshit. 
But I think what we don't have is the groups, the citizens to actually go out and go after those people and go after those groups. Like we saw with the guy who hacked into the call center's uh, video cameras and there were a bunch of scammers and he broke into, into the uh, security cameras and recorded the whole thing. I don't think we have enough people that are willing to fight back against these groups. We also don't have enough people who are educated enough to understand this. The problem is, for no better choice of words, we all park our asses in front of our keyboards and screens ninety mm-hmm. percent of the day. Mm-hmm. Right? We all get a Microsoft tan. The only way to put it, you know, politely, a Microsoft tan. And we blindly, willy-nilly will click on something and whatever, and we don't look. And you get thrown through the matrix of hell, and suddenly you wind up on a fake website. I, I, I find the lack of cyber education in this country, while it is vehemently important, to everyday transactions that most people have no clue how a telephone works, mm-hmm. let alone change out a light switch. And don't even bring up RF because I have no clue as to what right. RF is. Well, I do. I'm <laughs> real good at RF. Um, I find I find the, the absolute ignorance of our cyber society to be part and parcel of the problem. I mean, you might as well get your little puppy dog out and go, oh, we're going to click on this one today. That, and that's kind of th- scary. That, and I don't think the government um, is involved enough. And I, I said this back in 2008 during a documentary called Hackers and People 2 that they filmed out in Vegas. And they were asking me about cyber law. And my response was, and, and it's, it's on video, it's recorded, um, was the fact that we have people in Washington, old guys who have never touched this technology, making laws regarding this technology. And that's, that's where the, big, the problem with your um, legislators. They have no clue yep. as to what they're legislating, let alone what they think is valid law. Mm. Um, and you're right. There are a bunch of old men who don't know anything about anything. And, that, and that's part of the problem why most of the country is not up to par when it comes to cyber awareness, because we don't have a national initiative. We, we don't have. I remember when I was a kid, the uh, public service announcements and, and those little things that came on TV during the weekends that would be like, you know, tell, teaching you about something different. Right. We don't have those anymore. We should have we should have uh, PSAs every other day on TV talking about cybersecurity because it is what runs this country. You know, when you look at hospitals, when you look at government, when you look at banking, it's all interconnected. You have to be savvy when it comes to cybersecurity. And most of the country is so far below that point. It's not even funny. I mean, the point of, of what they call it. You take uh, a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That's very true. It's very true. But even with some of the larger companies, you know, it, when you go and tell them, hey, you need to do this instead of this, they look at how much each is going to cost and they'll pick the cheaper of the two. And where does that leave them? It leaves them vulnerable. And then when they get hit, they turn around and say, well, you know, why did this happen? Well, you know, if you're not going to spend the money to protect yourself, then you're going to get hit. And I understand like the biggest conundrum in cybersecurity has been return on, you know, ROI. Uh, return on investment yes there's very little of that until you get hit and then you realize oh shit if i would have invested just a little bit more maybe i wouldn't be paying out you know a hundred dollars an hour or two hundred dollars an hour to have somebody work 24 hours a day for a week to to recover the other problem that you have is the fact as we go back to the sea level Mm. they're so old that they don't, and I can say this, even myself, I will say this, I'm old. Um, there are things you youngsters come up with these days that even astound me. But 
the fact that they're going ahead and just looking for open IP addresses and attacking them and not knowing what they're attacking. They don't care. No, they don't care. Yeah. And that's that's what a lot of people don't understand about ransomware too. Is it's not just a group. It's not just Conti. It's not just dark matter. I love it's the fact that Con wait, are there really 11,000 rich people in the world? More okay. than that. <laughs> Here's your first tax the rich, tax yeah. the rich program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Con Conti is that bunch of files. Conti is very interesting. And, and what's funny is everybody thinks it's, you know, Conti is, is doing this. You know, they're, they're going and attacking these people. Well, they don't see the whole economy of that ransomware uh, environment. So you have the people who actually go out and use something like masking to, to in-map entire countries and look for open ports. And then they have a group that goes and takes the results from that and they go and exploit these devices and get a foothold in those networks. And then they take that information and put it on the dark market and sell that, sell those blocks of IPs that have been compromised to ransomware games. And they blindly are, go out and just shoot it out. This is research analytics business. Yeah, exactly. That is exact. It's research analytics business. Yep. Or corporate espionage, as it used to be called. <laughs> right. But now it's called business intelligence. Oh. Yeah. And that's what they do. It's it's multiple groups involved, but the people who drop the ransomware, those are the gangs that we see. Those are the gangs get advertised. But and those are the gangs that are targeted. But never mind the other four companies that are actually going and doing the business intelligence to lead up to that point. Um, you know, and, and and we always point the finger at and this is what I really hate. We always point the finger at Russia and China. For being the two, you know, I'm sorry, the bad It's guys. also the French, the British, the mm -hmm. Germans, uh, the Americans. The Americans. I mean, I'm sorry. What are they doing up in the 10th Mountain Division? Cyber Command? <laughs> mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got um, recruited by Pro Systems a long time ago, and I went into their facilities in Dallas, and uh, they took me to a lab. And on the lab, it literally said on the door malware creation lab and i thought why is perot systems why did they need a malware creation lab and what i realized was they they had a department defense contract and they were developing new malware for the department of defense and the government so we're chinese and the russians are not the only ones in the world who engage not. in cyber war we we've been doing it for a very long time hold on i i gotta I got one for you. Okay. Predates everything. It used to be a piece of software called Virus Construction Lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could build a logic bomb or a time bomb or an auto combo bomb and then throw it at somebody. Before there was, vi you know, before there was all this nation state sponsored malware, spyware. And if you look at the NSO group, who just recently got their clock cleaned. Mm -hmm. But there were also others that came that predated that, like hacking team out of Italy mm -hmm. that were planning kitty porn and other malicious bullshit on people's machines. Now, as far as I'm concerned today, I don't trust anything that comes in here. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I don't care if my mother sent it to me. She's dead. Well, thank God. <laughs> but we won't get into that. But my mother, if you want to know about cyber law, was the reason for the 1983 Computer Fraud and Abuse Act law. Yes, you can all thank me for this one. Tell us a story about how that happened, because it's really interesting to me. After the uh, FBI bust, where it was a year on the FBI diet plan called Stress, um, my mother had spoken to a number of the congressmen and senators the family donated to. There you go. That's a good word. Donated to. And my mother said to the congressman, you will pass a federal computer crime law because my son deserves to be in jail. 
Thanks, Mom. <laughs> you know, Heinrich Himmler and drag. There you go. For all of you who don't know who Heinrich Himmler is, look it up. You ran a little band in Germany, Poland, Russia. Is it on vinyl? I actually had people ask me that one. Is it on vinyl? And I'm like, get away from me. Yeah, his cohorts actually uh, escaped to South America in places like Belize uh, and were arrested many, many years later after they were the rat ones. line. Yeah, well, <laughs> well after they were in their 80s. So, yeah, that that, that whole group, uh, that band got broken up pretty quick. Um, but, yeah. So the, the CFA, the CMA, that's that's another interesting point to bring up. So the CFA um, and the CMA. So over in England, when I was over there, uh, thanks to the State Department, um, kind of isolated there for a couple of years. I'm I, I, Britain is a nice <laughs> place to live. It is. It is a very nice place. The people over there are excellent. When my own country wouldn't allow me to come home, they were more than welcome to, to bring me in, which I thought was really awesome. Um, but what's funny is the CMA, the Computer Misuse Act, when I went and toured the different universities and spoke at like Westminster and Glasgow and Caledonian University, one thing that, that people could not tell me is where the CMA was taught and what it meant. I actually had a lecturer at, a, at an undisclosed university um, ask me and the National Crime Agency agent what the CMA was and he was a cybersecurity lecturer at a major university. And it's I don't kind of scary. It's very scary. And I, I don't think so. We're going after kids as young as 10 and 12 years old um, for abusing systems and denial of services and becoming cyber criminals, but nobody's teaching these kids the law, the CFA or the CMA. And I think that we're doing ourselves a huge disservice. But I watched a show today, which I thought was very interesting. It's called Enemies of the State. And you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, and it's about a guy named Matt who uh, had some information regarding some very sensitive documentation from WikiLeaks. And he had it on a server. The U.S. government went after him and planted all kinds of things on the server. He had to run to Canada for asylum, end up leaving there to go to the U.K. Um, just, you know, we're not teaching these kids the laws and when they break the law, we're expecting them to automatically, as soon as they break the law, we're expecting them to know everything about the law. Um, well, that's the same way that I would say 20 years ago, there was a call for a cyber driver's license. Yes. And they didn't institute that at all, nor did they start teaching you know, the good things or the bad things that you can do with machines. What they taught them was, this is a keyboard. You can do this. This is a mouse. You can do this. And the world is your oyster. The problem is, is that they didn't put in any boundaries. Like in driving, DUI. It's not something you want to do. All right? It's just not. You know, or dealing meth or other fun things in the world that you should not be doing versus me who puts up smoke detectors that radiate radiation just to aggravate the fuck out of them. You know, it's, and it's funny because they make those loose laws and they don't explain them and they don't tell the kids before they even get on the internet what those laws are. So these kids get on there and they're gaming. And, you know, I've seen kids as young as 12 years old who are doing denial of service against, like, let's say a platform. And the cops and the FBI come banging on the door. Here's this poor kid who has no idea what he's done wrong, other than the fact that he's trying to get an upper hand in a game, in just a game. And he's being oh, taken yes. in for questioning. Well, you don't have an acknowledgement from law enforcement these days mm -hmm. that these youngsters have not been instructed for no better choice of words. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. Blah, blah, blah. Cut it out. Uh, you don't go stealing your neighbor's Netflix password. You don't go, you know, sniffing around and then grabbing somebody's Wi-Fi. Mm. Because they haven't taught them there are consequences. Mm. But at the same time, they haven't taught themselves 
the consequences that can occur. And it doesn't matter if a 14-year-old kid's computer is taken over because the last IP address that they see is his or his machine's banging out DOS attacks. Mm -hmm. So the kid doesn't know. Um, Microsoft, any of them, any of them, they released these Ford Pintos out onto the digital highway. And then they expect you to, A, avoid a rear-end collision where you'll, as a Pinto, you would die. Mm -hmm. Or a front-end collision it would be a DDoS attack. Or whatever you want to call it. They're not teaching them the rules of the road. Nope. They're just throwing them in front. In fact, what did I just, I just read something. You know, most of these kids start when they're like eight or nine years old on some of these games. And those games, you know, I've talked to the Cyber Intervention Program in London. So the, the London police have it right. So they're taking these kids and they're giving them a second chance. They're bringing them into an intervention program, bringing people from the industry in to show them what they can do with, with their skills and actually make a career out of what they're doing. Um, and try to get them to, to, to make another choice, right? And so I go in there and I tell them, you know, this is what happens if, if you go that the bad route. You end up getting harassed forever. Tough love. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, a lot of the kids turn out really well. I mean, they, they decide, you know, hey, I can make money doing this. And I've got a skill that most people don't. But in the U.S., it's not like that. You know, no. They would um, much the rather. The United States has a very backward view towards education. Mm. Uh, especially a cyber-dependent society has no idea. Uh, if you look at the, for example, the colonial hack, and, uh, you know, that should never have occurred. But, you know, when you're using old-school SCADA or SCADA devices and you have no security to begin with, what do you expect? But the other problem is that as the technology changes, and it changes every, every day, day. I'm mm. just every day. And you can't trust an app on your cell phone. Mm. And you can't trust an app on your machine. And you can't trust anything that's put out because it's basically a Ford Pinto um, waiting to explode in your lap or to have a flashbang come through your door, you know. With a van outside. <laughs> and the other thing that these kids don't understand is they have no idea of the amount of havoc that they can create by just hitting a return key. Yep. Well, a lot of the tools, too, that are made readily available to download from the internet that these kids... You know, they, they have no idea what's going on in the background. No. They're just clicking buttons. They have no idea. No, press here. Do that. You want to create this? Do this. Thank you. Yeah. But the other thing that I've, I've read about over the years is that these video games that they're training these children with, mm -hmm. a gentleman in Germany who is part of a large... Um, video game company and I don't remember which one they don't call them video games anymore they call them militainment mm -hmm. so they're teaching these kids how to kill both remotely with a joystick or whatever and cyber wise but they're also not teaching them hi this is the bottom end of a frequency spectrum maybe you should mm -hmm. learn this first before you start playing up in the gigahertz range or you start playing up in the terahertz range. So you have a basic understanding of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You need to learn telephony from the good old days right up to today. You need to understand switching. You need to understand packets. You need to understand, you know, what happens when packets mix with packets. Yep. When they collide. When packets collide, there, there's a new movie for this century. When packets collide, 
versus you know, I th- when worlds collide. I, I think when I came into the industry, I started out on BBS. Then I went to uh, stuff like uh, Prodigy and AOL. And then I went to IRC. But then my first step into what we now call the dark arts or hacking was straight into telephony and voice over IP um, and radio frequencies. You know, kids nowadays, they don't have those basic fundamentals of how things actually operate and the way they're engineered. They're going straight into applications and looking at, oh, I press this button, this person goes away. So it reminds, right. me, of, reminds me of the game um, Watch Dogs. So I recently got Watch Dogs, downloaded it, started playing it. And I realized a lot of it is very, I guess, glamorized. It's not very accurate at all. Um, But then there are other pieces of it that really make you stop and think. Um, And there's another game, too, called uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, Do you find them to be psychologically stimulating and addictive? Yes, very very much so. And they're they're so fast-paced. But the point is, is that they mix, they mix hacking and physical attacks with weapons all in the same game. So at the it, same time, they're changing the, the screen refresh rates mm-hmm. to feed your brain. Yeah, same thing they did when they came out with television and they were playing with the, the refresh rates or, or the refresh rates on the screen um, to look at how it affected people subconsciously. Um, and that's another thing that, that another point that I like to bring up too is that. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, the internet's great. Well, DARPA came up with the internet, and then they decided to make this available to people. Actually, it wasn't DARPA. It was PARC, P-A-R-C. Yeah, yeah. But DARPA was a project behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, So they came up with it, and, you know, of course, the military had hands on it way before any of us did. And it gets in every home. I had hands on it before most of you did. So it gets in every home. And and I I ask people, do you think it's coincidence that they made the internet available to everybody? Do you think it's coincidence or do you think there was a purpose behind it? Because now they don't have to go look in your window. Now they don't have to knock on your door. Now they just watch your stream. Now they can jump right into your, into your router and watch your packets. You know, it, Everything happens for a reason. And the more that we develop Alexa and Siri and all of those devices, when you look at that, it's just more technology to put inside your home so you don't have to have a warrant. I mean, look, look, at, the, look at the conversations that Amazon has recorded and people have illegally listened to based on you know, their devices in their home. I mean, there's so many of them, but people are... They're so gung-ho about... My question is, what gives the government the right to listen to that? We do. People who who can't stand up for themselves and defend themselves because they look at it as a luxury, as, oh, hey, I can do this with just my voice now. Well, guess what? Your voice is being carried straight over to somebody who probably shouldn't have your voice. Amazon just announced in the last... 24 hours they're actually asking for you not to talk to the damn things <laughs> really yes um i read news from all over the world i mean literally from all over the world to aggravate people well they, they had the uh they, they had a skill new skill set that came out i guess it was a couple months ago and they said oh now it listens for ambient noise in a room. And when oh, that yes. ambient noise changes, then it activates. So that's that's a way of covering up for your shit's always listening, period. And we oh, brought that up. We brought here, that up to a, him. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. On both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. On cyber surveillance, should they be allowed without without a warrant to listen to you. And then you have to deal with the FISA court. You and I both know what the FISA court is. Mm-hmm. And you got to deal with the FISA court. And now there's arguments about whether the FISA court's decisions should be released publicly right. or not. Personally, I think they should because, you know, they've been snooping around everybody's butt for years. Well, look at what Obama did to... Uh... 
Merkel from Germany and tapping herself up, tapping her. Well, actually, it wasn't it, it, wait, wait, for safety's sake. It wasn't Obama. In it's just our boys at Fort, Fort Meade who were bored right. and mm -hmm. the five eyes. Right. So, I mean, if, if they're doing that to other countries, dignitaries, they don't blink an eye when it comes to citizens. I mean, we, we've known oh, God, this. For, no, wait, you don't count. Yeah, we've known this for years. When Snowden came out and did his his leak on X key score, we knew this was already occurring. This was not something new, but he just got smacked for releasing it publicly and, and making it, you know, news. But we we've all known that for a very long time. What do we what do we do about countries like Iran, China, Syria, etc., who cut off right like the Chinese firewall? Mm -hmm. All right. They cut off their people from the rest of the world. Or the Iranians or anybody else. Mm-hmm. What happened to the free flow of information and what happened to knowledge is power and the fact that these governments see that internet is a rallying cry mm -hmm. in one way or another. Unfortunately, we had um, January 6th that occurred. We won't get into politics, but I did not approve. Mm -hmm. And now you have Facebook today announcing that they're ending fac facial recognition over privacy fears. Really? Really? <laughs> really? Let's talk about how many millions of people they've sold their data to other companies and to and the wait, government. And what about Palantir? Yeah. Pal <laughs> I love Palantir. Hi, I just got an $850 million contract. For what? Mm -hmm. For what? Uh, wait, are you CI? No. Are you NSA? No. Are you NRA? No. Who are you? We're everybody. Yeah, we're, we're Palantir. That's about what they are. We're Palantir and Stratfor. So if you, if you think about Stratfor and its catastrophe. But I, th I think and the minor. other. Yeah, I think the other countries like Iran and Syria and China, I think the reason why they're clamping down on their connection to the Internet so much is because they see the Internet for what it really is. They see the Internet as a vector or a vehicle for the U.S. government to infiltrate their networks. And Would it also not be a vector vehicle or intrusive behavior for these regimes or governments, whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. um, where they can curtail speech mm -hmm. and will not allow uh, the uprisings in the streets? Yep. I look at Arab Spring. You know, right. that was that the was other one. the other problem that you have, mm -hmm. which I really love. Will someone please explain this to me? Why are you carrying your goddamn cell phones everywhere? And let's see, if you wind up in a protest, definitely you've been stingrayed. Yep. Yep. You know, and and I just don't understand this, but you see, they made it. So that it was convenient. Convenient and more powerful than the first supercomputer. Actually, I, I think it's more powerful. Wait, well, yeah, that more powerful than supercomputer. And unfortunately, yes, sad, sad, sad. Yep. Um, my citizen's eco after 25 years of it being through jungles and everything else, its battery finally died. Yeah, and what's funny is the, the cell phone itself has more power than most of the systems on a space vehicle to get people to the moon. Right. You know, it, it, that's amazing to think that. But well, going to they used to say that Timex Sinclair watch mm -hmm. had more computing power than the Apollo 11 yep. uh, what capsule. And what's scary is, you know, some of the malware that I write for Android and being able to exploit that phone and take a geolocation poll every 30 seconds to watch the movement of that phone while activating the microphone and the video and SMS and all the call logs. I could literally tail somebody without having to leave my home. And that's exactly what 
different agencies. We have created, do. We've created a surveillance society. We have. And it all started on 9-11. After 9-11 and the Patriot Act, it spun us into what currently is worse than any version of 1984 I've ever seen. I, I do a talk about 1984 and how we surpassed that, like beyond, way beyond, um, you know, what we, what we thought we, we'd run into. Um, you know, we're actually getting into the era of being able to predict people's behavior, right? So Minority when I was, report? Mm-hmm, well, even worse. So I went I, to- I will, si- tell you, I will tell you this one. Mm-hmm. In the county where I am, they started doing predictive policing. Mm-hmm. And they got their nuts in a ringer for it because they were looking at particular individuals and data sets and mm-hmm. things of that nature and the neighborhoods. And I'm like, really? This is not cool. Uh, out where I live, the biggest problem I've got right now, wild boar. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's the, behind me. Yeah. Well, it's really weird because when I went out to Sandia National Labs to do, um, I was part of a, a research place. group. Yeah, it's part of a research group, uh, research, I guess, program called Project Tularosa. And what Project Tularosa was, was they handpicked certain individuals that have certain skill sets or certain backgrounds um, to come participate in this Department of Energy, Department of Defense, and a government uh, research group. And so they brought me in. I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody in the room. I was sat into a cubicle that had basically blinders so I couldn't see who was next to me or whatever. They monitored my keystrokes, monitored my eyes with the webcam. I had a bracelet on that looked at perspiration and heart rate. And why? And this is why. Why? For deception. So what they do is they said, okay, here's a network. It's a skating network. And it's connected to a power plant. I want you to exploit everything you can to get to the main reactor. So I sat there for hours. And what they did was they would have me hack into certain things. And then they would stop me and they would give me cognitive tests and crypto challenges and, and all kinds of like things that would get my brain moving, right? And they were taking biofeedback measurements from all of this to see. What are you, an AI rat for that? Basically to see what, what attackers biological feedback was and the mentality what behind it thinking at the time and the psychology behind it and so if you get a chance look it up it's project Tularosa, and there's a paper out on it i was one of the, the the subjects in that that research group but you don't hear a whole lot about it it came out um i want to say 2017 or 2018 and it was a brief release and the government talked about it and that was it um, so was I got, this using psyops readings just, for attack vector profiles? Pretty much. It, it was to hone, according to them, it was to hone deception skills. So in order to see the reaction. And remember, you were working for the good guys. Yeah, Sandia Net and Searle. Right. Searle, Searle was part of Sandia National Labs, which was part of the military base out in Sandia. Um, but yeah, it, it was all about deception techniques. They were trying to figure out the biofeedback, the predictive thinking, the mentality, and the problem solving so that they could design systems to throw up deception techniques to detract people like me from the actual portions of the network that they didn't want anybody getting into. It was really right. interesting. But what, were you what was, wearing hmm? were you wearing like a, a headset with leads? No, no, it was all um, uh, the the bracelet. I got paid twenty five dollars extra a day to wear the B- Department of Defense bracelet, which monitored perspiration, heart rate, pulse, all that stuff. Um, that was a Fitbit from the Pentagon, basically. Yeah, and so and and what was really funny was the contract that they sent me before I went out to Sandia. Um, 95% of the page was redacted. So I was like, what the hell am I doing here? And they were like, oh, you're just doing some hacking. And I was like, okay, I needed money at the time. So I was like, all right, cool, I'll do it. And I get out there and it was something completely different. I was like, holy shit, what is going on here? Problem is, all right, if you go back a few years, for example, you have people creating stocks next. Mm-hmm which can become very dangerous. Mm 
Now, most people think I'm nuts, but I want to bring this to the attention of people. After Stuxnet hit Iran, it then seemed to have crossed the Himalayas mm -hmm. into the Indian power grid. So you had 3 million out one day, 600 million out the next day, 900 million out the next day. Well, at least the phone call stopped. You know, hello, would you like an auto warranty? Leave me alone. At least the phone call stopped. Um, but I think that their little toy got loose. loose. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that all these nation states Uh, you normally don't think of the French, right? The DSG. You normally don't think of the DSG as mm -hmm. one of the upper echelons. Trust me, the DSG is right up there. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, you know, the Germans, you've got the Russians, you've got everybody and their mother. you got 14-year-olds. <laughs> it's an arms race. And it, it, when it you is look, an arms race. When you look back to, to the race for nuclear armament, nuclear weapons, that arms race was pretty intense, but this arms race is even worse. Here's um, a question for this arms race. Mm -hmm. We have teenagers who don't know what they're doing, writing code. Mm -hmm. We have senior nation state people who do know what they're doing, writing code. We have a number of systems that can be easily infiltrated. Uh, we have a number of shipping stations where they kind of hi that cisco router you just ordered right we're now gonna adjust it for you and then we'll ship it out to you um, there's a lot of things out here that don't actually make a lot of sense and in one sense these guys are shooting themselves in the, their own foot yeah of course and they don't give a damn well, it, it, because they're not the ones who feel the pain and the pressure. So when you look at, you know, ransomware and let's say, you know, a big top five gets hacked, the people who really pay the price for it are the people downstream. The consumers are the ones who actually pay the biggest price for it. Well, the question that I ask is that how long before the average citizen says enough is enough. Uh, I live by the slogan, if my phone lines and computer lines aren't tapped, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, because it, we are living in a surveillance society. If you look at your, your local news station, right? surveillance cameras in the area picked up the actor doing this. Well, the actor whatever you want to call them, all right? Didn't know there was a surveillance camera 300 yards away. Mm. And the cops went ahead and enhanced the video and go, oh, yeah, it's him. But there also are a number of other things involving cyber security and cyber thought where it even boggles the mind this, these days. And I say this because... I've been around this game for 40 some odd years. I just don't understand why the maliciousness is going on to such. All right. Yeah. As Willie Sutton said, why do I rob banks? That's where the money is. Mm -hmm. So the ransomware guys are going, why do we rob hospitals? That's where the money is. Well, half of the time when they hit those hospitals, they don't even know they're hitting hospitals. They're, they bought a, a block of IP addresses that have been compromised to drop ransomware. They have no idea what they're getting it into. It reminds me of the old days of Spam House, mm -hmm. where they just blocked off huge blocks mm -hmm. because they thought they were the mm -hmm. cat's meow. Yep. And, and, and when you look at the way that, that we're going as a society as far as being compromised and everything that we're bringing into the home that's that's basically opening doors for other people to walk right in it's not going to stop we live in an open environment whether you believe it or not it's it's a complete 100 surveillance society 
um, smart TVs, Netflix, you, you have smart light bulbs, you have devices like Siri and, and other things like that. Um, everything, I mean, even refrigerators that are on the yes, internet now. Yes, why is I mean, my fucking refrigerator telling me that I hold up the barcode of a gallon of milk mm -hmm. that I need to order it? Yep. And that's, Give me a break. And that's the society we live in because people are like, oh, this is so convenient. I can do this and I can do that. Uh, but what they okay. don't realize, and I try to tell people in my talks, is that every time you bring something in that allows you to manipulate your home or to, to control your washer and dryer from, from your car on the way home from work, yeah, really. guess what? I can do that too in your you know, home. I need, I need to turn my washer and dryer on while I'm driving. <laughs> God, God knows that that's a vital requirement in traffic management. And, and surveillance cameras. So people have these secu surveillance cameras, security yeah. cameras. So back in 2016, when I was kind of going awry and doing things that I wanted to do, um, I compromised thousands of, of surveillance cameras. And when you look at where they place these devices within their home, it's shocking. How many people, why do you need a surveillance camera in your bedroom? Like, what, what is the purpose behind that? Well, first off, it's illegal. Uh, it's illegal to have it, at least I think it is. It's illegal to have it in the bedroom and also in a bathroom. Yeah. But Anywhere they put else, them, you're fair game. They put them everywhere, even the mall. So it, I hate going to the mall during Christmas. So I compromised a security camera that happened to be in a mall close to where I live. And so I could look in that security camera and see how bad it was packed in the mall and decide when I was going to go based on the amount of people I saw on the camera. But people keep inviting this technology into their homes and into their work environments. And but they that's don't understand. It's sold as a convenience. Convenience. Yeah. And that shows how much, how wealthy you are based on what you can afford to buy. Um, well, kids, kids these days are looking at iPhones and going, Oh, but I have to have the newest version, even though it's a thousand dollars, it's a thousand dollars, but they, they have to keep up with everybody else. And that's the way technology is. Everybody has to keep up with whoever has the most. I it's remember like doing, the fashion trends. Exactly. And when you look right. at, like, when you look at Bill Gates with his automated home, right? Um, I think it was, uh, there was a movie that was out, um, antitrust and the guy would watch, it was loosely based on bill gates he would walk into a room and music would come on his lights would come on everybody saw that as a thing of power so everybody went out and tried to automate everything in their home you know it's it's sad it's really sad well, there, there's a company out there called vinit mm -hmm. all right which at least around here um they're throwing into the new constructions mm -hmm. and the new constructions i love this one I get a whole tenth of an acre for three quarters of a million dollars. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just sign me up. I, I got multiple acres out here and uh, the property went up another hundred bucks today. I'm like, uh-huh. Good. So we're at two million two hundred and twenty-one thousand six hundred dollars. I'm I'm living in is good. I'm living in the middle of a downtown jungle where I spend more than most people's mortgages on probably less than a thousand square foot in a hundred year old, hundred year old building. But what takes a cake is me not doing my research. Yeah, but you live in a very cool building. Yeah, it, it is a cool building. Okay, it's haunted. And I also get to live, my neighbors behind me are actually the FBI, which I thought was pretty impressive. And I should have done more research, but, you know, yeah. hey, at least we're neighbors. That, <laughs> Maybe they'll send you a pizza. <laughs> I hope so. Well, yeah, the lights are always on. Exactly. They, they spin that like crazy. Well, Ian, uh, it's been nice having you on. We're close Thank you. The, I appreciate the opportunity. We're close to the end of the hour. Is there anything you'd like to ask me or any last comments before we, uh, before we end the podcast? Why are these kids today so manipulable and so stupid? You know, it, I think about that every day, you know, having a kid and, and knowing what he's being led down the path of is kind of scary. But the one thing I have done with my son is 
is instructed. I mean, he's seen firsthand what happens when the government gets involved in your personal life. Um, and I think more of that needs to happen. You know, sadly enough, I think people need to wake up and realize that shit's going on that they don't really understand and they don't see. I'm going to say this to, to all of you. And I'm very serious because I have a pretty good background in meteorology, biochemical warfare, and a whole bunch of other fun things. You've got about 10 years. And I'm looking personally because of climatological change from where I am to northwestern Vermont or Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia has a large Buddhist community. <laughs> okay. but at least I know I won't get shot there. Probably um, get prayed over. There you go. But all I can say to all of you is that none of you understand how important these ones and zeros are. These are 155 millimeter cannons that you're doing rapid fire or hypersonic weapons, which is a better way to put it for you more attuned people. These are hypersonic weapons coming across that will annihilate you very quickly and without remorse. And the only thing will be left standing there is a mushroom cloud of your environment. I think that's a good way to send it off. I, I agree. I agree. And I think we're getting to that point. But Ian, it's been a pleasure. It's always Thank a pleasure you, to talk it's to you. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And I will, uh, I will be talking to you soon. But thanks for being on the show and uh, enjoy yes, the rest. Of your, enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll Thank talk you. to you soon. Bye bye. Bye.